All right, after a week away, the Xbox Two podcast is now live. I'm one of your hosts, Randall Thor 19, the man with the million, and yes, the million stands for gamer score. So I always get that question every single time in one of my videos when I do that intro. Really? And with me at yeah, every single time. Every single time. Because new people are finding the channel all the time and they hear that intro and they're like, well, a million what dollars? If I had a million dollars, I probably wouldn't be doing <laughs> doing YouTube. I'm just saying, I'd be enjoying life, traveling around the world. Podcasting, though, right? Yeah, of course. I love podcasting, and I love podcasting with the other co-host here on Xbox Two, and that is the one and only Jess Corden of Windows Central. What's going on, buddy? That was a nice segue. Was it? Was it? Nice... Yeah, it was, it was. I thought I thought it was pretty smooth. good. It was smooth, man. You're getting good at this podcasting thing. Yeah, I've only been doing it for like five years. Yeah, <laughs> really? I mean, I mean, hey, I've been TXR doing the and stuff, right? I mean, okay, there's TXR for ninety episodes. I did a podcast with my buddies Magic, who now works at Xbox, and my other buddy DOA, uh, called DRM, which we did for about seventy episodes. And then I did a podcast with Stallion eighty three, who's uh, just broke two million gamer score. Uh, it was called the Gamer Score Popcast. Uh, we did that from like 2011 to 2015. Oh my God, you're like legit pro. Yeah, yeah. I still get people asking me about the Gamer Score podcast and stuff, and why it. You know, we wanted to come back. It's like I always say, well, ask Stallion about it. But I haven't talked. I haven't talked to. I haven't spoken to Stallion since uh, 2016. So it's been it's been a long time. But yeah. Well, I'm honored that you podcast with little old me then. Yes. Jez Corden. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. You know? I, I like the two-man dynamic here. I like just me and you having a conversation. Uh, it's a little bit different than most other podcasts out there, which is why I thought it was a little bit unique. But thank you guys for uh, showing up here. I know it can be a little hectic with our schedules. Sometimes uh, Jez is busy. Sometimes I can't do it. And, you know, if one of us can't do it, well, there really is no show. Uh, and today, both of our schedules aligned. It's Wednesday. Uh, we have a lot of stuff here to talk about. Jez is uh, biting at the chomp, right? Is that is, is that an expression? I, I think it biting is. I don't know if I, Biting at the bit, yeah. To tell you guys about Resident Evil 2, because he finished it. Uh, well, I and, haven't fully finished it. I'm about 75... Uh, Passed off West scenario B. Uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much finished it. So he, Ooh. we'll talk about that because even I've played a little bit of it uh, in the game played section. Um, we're also going to be talking about all those Xbox Two rumors and leaks that you might have heard about. Uh, you know, I did a video about it. Dealer Gaming did a video about it. A lot of people are running videos about it, but. Jez, you know, he, he has some insight to some of these things. So we'll get Jez's opinion on a lot of this stuff to see if there might be some truth or if it more than likely is going to be fake. Uh, we're going to talk about Sea of Thieves dominating Twitch. What? Could Jez be right? Is Sea of Thieves uh, 2019 Pubs G? He was just a year away. He was just a year <laughs> off. Right? I swear to God, man. If that, if that happens, I'm coming for people, man. You're coming for people. I'm coming for people. Um, 
What else? Uh, EA doing what EA does, and that's destroying games, destroying companies. This time they canceled the Star Wars game again. Talk about that. We'll talk about greedy Activision selling people a dollar red dot sites and skins and Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 4, but then, you know, of course, giving their new CFO a $20 million bonus. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. So as you guys file in here, uh, do us a favor, hit that like button. It helps out the show tremendously. And you know what it actually does, Jez? Like, I don't think people realize how important likes are. And likes are completely free, right? You don't got to do super chat, um, you know, in the videos and the podcasts. Like, literally clicking that like button helps out more than you can possibly imagine. And you won't know that unless you actually do YouTube. Because likes... And even dislikes to a certain extent show YouTube that the video has engagement. And that's what YouTube wants to see is engagement. If you don't get likes, they don't promote your video. I know they're supposed to. They're supposed to send it out to your subs and uh, your uh, people that uh, you know hit that notification bell, right? But a lot of the times they don't. A lot of the times they judge how they're going to promote your video to your subscribers based on how well your last few videos did. And if your last few videos didn't do very well, uh, in engagement-wise and watch time-wise, they tend not to send notifications out. Which is, to me, kind of screwed up, don't you think? Like, people hit the subscribe button to see the content, but you're not letting them see the content because of how previous videos did? You know what I mean? It's screwed up. We could do a whole podcast about how I feel about Google, but there it is. Jay May says, I clicked it, quit whining. Geez, I'm not, I'm not whining. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> there's a reason when people say hit the like button, it's free. It takes two seconds because it actually legitimately truly helps more than most people realize. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> what else? Um, yeah, hit the like button, share this out, you know, on Twitter, social media. More people in here. It's always uh, it's always a good time. But um, yeah. So Jez, um, games played most important part of the podcast in my opinion. Because I don't know. To me, while it's great talking about all these news items and getting uh, you know uh, our thoughts on them, if you don't play video games, what is the point? What is the point in my opinion? Video games are the most important thing. I enjoy doing them. Right, I enjoy playing them. I enjoy talking about them. It's why I have a YouTube channel in the first place. But you wouldn't believe how many people have told me that they don't want to hear about video games. What? They just yeah, they just want they dive into the news. I don't want to hear about video games. And I'm like, do you even play video? Like to me, that's such a foreign concept. Like it is weird, and it's that's the reason why I do the, what we've been playing first. Because the games are the most important aspect of, you know, this whole situation. I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing a podcast if like I wasn't playing. If I was literally one of those people out there that didn't play anything and only beat one or two games a year, I'd be a fraud. I'd be a complete fraud on YouTube and these Twitter streets. Uh, and I, I, I would, I would. I'd be ashamed to talk about stuff. Like, uh, 
I don't know if you saw IGN's Resident Evil 2 review drama, speaking of frauds. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Fraud. Jeez, they keep on screwing everything up, you know what I mean? We should, we should talk about that later, probably. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk well, about that. Uh... Why have you been playing then, man? Why have you been playing? Because you, you typically have um, more variety than me. I don't know if it's just because you've got more time or just because I am addict, get addicted to certain things, but you, you, I'm always interested to hear what you've been playing. Um, what have I been playing? Well, I have been patiently waiting for Resident Evil 2, right? Patiently waiting. So even though like I picked up uh, Anamusha, Warlords, right? I didn't really play it. I, I bought it more for nostalgic purposes. I wanted to have it because I do love the game. I was sitting there. I'm counting down the time, counting down the hours to I can get my hands in Resident Evil 2. So you're gonna hate me and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna put me in rehab, but I've been playing a lot of PUBG. Oh what a shocker. I never forget that podcast where you're like, I'm done with PUBG. Well, man. He, I am done with that game. But the you thing is, is during that whole well, because during the fall when all those games came out, I didn't have time to play all those great games and also play PUBG. So it was like I played all those great games. Now we're in this section coming up here with really starting with Resident Evil 2 that it's a ton of games coming out in a short amount of time. So there's not going to be any time for PUBG, right? Uh, so, yes, I played PUBG. I also played Absolver, um, which Absolver. hit uh, Xbox Game Pass. Um, about Absolver because it came out on PlayStation first, right? PlayStation and PC. And mm-hmm. to Xbox a little bit later. Yes. Um, uh, a little people... bit later, almost two years later. Well, yeah. yeah I guess that's an understatement. But it seems polarizing, man. Like Some people hate it. Some people love it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? I'm kind of in the middle. I like aspects of it. Um, I don't love the game, but I don't hate the game. It's... It's, it, it is unique. It, it is a very unique game. There's really nothing like it out there. The only real comparison I can draw to another game that's similar is something like For Honor. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fighting game uh, where you, you have this world that you go through and beat people up. And the, your goal is to like fight these bosses to get to the end, to open up this door to get to the end. But it's also a connected game. Sure, you can play it offline. There's also other people playing, and you can team up with them, so you can play the whole game in co-op uh, and help each other out, or the other people could actually fight you. But in reality, the campaign, which is only three hours long, is just a primer for the real game, which is the the PvP, the 1v1 multiplayer, or the 3v3 multiplayer. Right. The campaign is just kind of like a tutorial for that, because as you fight enemies, you learn their moves. You can incorporate their moves into your move set because you have this like fighting deck because you have four different stances and each stance is kind of it's it's tough to explain without video, but you have these fighting moves and each one of these stances you can switch to have different combos and you learned the combos by fighting other enemies and blocking and, and evading. So it's it's free on Game Pass and that that was why I'd be like if you got Game Pass. Don't buy the game because it's thirty bucks. You may not like it. Check it out on Game Pass, and you might enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like it, it came out in twenty seventeen on the PlayStation. It's 
kind of like one of those things where it's like, eh, I mean, a lot of the hype died around that game. I mean, it's, it's great that it's finally coming to Xbox, but uh, a little too late there. But other than that... Do you think uh, it's a franchise that's got legs? Like, because sequel improve on it? Or do you think that's it? I think that's it. it I, 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 I mean, I'm sure they could um, do, you know, do some more. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see there being an Absolver 2, to, to be honest with you. But uh, shout out to Alex Wilson for the Super Chat. He says, thanks for the show, Randy Jazz. You're my Thursday morning Xbox show here in Australia. Well, shout out to everybody in Australia. I know we do have some uh, some fans down there. It's, it's got to be hot yeah. weather there right now. Like yeah, degrees. it's crazy cold here, man. Like, it's snowing. It's like five it's degrees. Five degrees Fahrenheit. It's cold here. It's cold here. What's that in, what's that in real temperature numbers? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's its own temperature system, man. But um, I've also been playing Resident Evil 2. I started that last night. But then you've also playing been playing Resident Evil 2. I have. So, what do you think about Resident Evil 2? I know you put out a review for it on Windows Central last night, or yesterday when the embargo broke. You gave it a 5 out of 5. High praise. What do you you think about the game? Well, first of all, this is going to be spoiler-free for anyone who hasn't played the original. Um, But, you know, it was was quite... it 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 was weird for me, right? I was so hyped for Resident Evil 2. It was one of the first games that I was truly hyped for as a kid. Like, like uh, buying magazines. I remember buying magazines just to get every little piece of Resident Evil 2 information I could. And um, I'd never done that for a game before. I think I was, about, I was 10 or 11 years old. I'd never done that for a game before. And Resident Evil 2 was the first. So it was kind of freaky to be now reviewing it in a, sort of like a pseudo-professional capacity. But you know, here we are, and it came out, and uh, I had pretty high expectations for it. But honestly, I didn't expect it to be as perfect as it was. Like, for example, I'm really, really like Final Fantasy VII as well. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I thoroughly expect Square Enix to not deliver on that. Not only is it a hack and slash, but they're they're stripping out the open world. It's going to be episodic or something. So, like, I had like even though I'm still looking forward to it, I sort of keep my expectations in check because you you have this assumption that maybe there's just some things that don't work nowadays or some things that they decide they need to strip out because they want it to appeal to modern gamers or whatever. No, Resident Evil isn't like that. They pretty much kept it exactly the same as the original. If you play on hardcore mode, you even have to use ink ribbons. There's no auto saves. It, it plays just like the original, with with the exception of you can actually turn now. You know, so like it sort of it borrows. Uh, it even borrows like Resident Evil 3's quick turn thing, which I don't think Resident Evil 2 had, if I remember correctly. No, originally I don't think Resident Evil 2 had a quick turn. That was stuff yeah. they added later. Yeah, it, yeah, it was either Code Veronica or Resident Evil 7 where they added like a quick turn thing. But, you know, so the, the controls are upgraded, and obviously the aiming's upgraded. It's it's over the shoulder, more similar to Resident Evil 4 or the modern Resident Evil games. Um, it uses the Resident Evil 7 engine, so it's got those, like, really great door animations and the really great facial motion capture and all that sort of stuff. 
it's just like he was just sublime, man. Like they've changed, obviously, like they've changed the order of where you find things. They've changed some of the areas a bit to make it fresh. They've sort of given some of the monsters a new spin. Like I don't want to spoil the surprises, but some of the monsters in the old game that didn't make a lot of sense or didn't really fit that well in the overall lore, and because like I can go into the backstory on this, but some of the monsters from Resident Evil 2 originally was sort of like cut at the last minute from what they were meant to be and then sort of but left in the game because they'd already implemented them. It's hard, it's hard to explain without spoiling it. Maybe we can have a, like another conversation about Resident Evil 2 in a, in a future podcast when more people have played the game. But it's uh, it was just it was just nostalgia, but also fresh, like shocking. Like some of the new scenes they've added it to the story were like, oh my god, I can't believe they took it that place. Like they do this bait and switch thing, where they make you think parts of the game have been cut, and and then you're like, oh, I'm disappointed now that part of the game's been cut. And then like later on in the game, it's like, oh no, it's there, but it's different and better, and it, it's just masterful, man. It was just like. I was delighted constantly while playing it. There was loads of new stuff. The horror was on point. You know, it's it's even got like this. You can buy like um, the nostalgic music, the music from the original game as a yeah. little microtransaction thing. I did see that. That's pretty cool. Um, you can you can even purchase like the PS One pixelated skins if you want them. Like, why why would you? Why would you though? I don't understand. It's, it's just a fun thing, right? Like Resident Evil Zero HD had this monetization where and also Monster Hunter World where it's like, yeah, okay, we've made this single player experience. It's got no upsell. But here's a load of skins if you want them, you know. So I thought that was I think that's a cool sort of middle ground without sort of tacking on a multiplayer mode or whatever. But apparently they are adding some kind of like mercenaries style mode, like a raid mode to the game later on, like a time trial thing um, that's coming later on. So they do have some kind of post-launch plan for the game. But dude, I just loved it. The the gore, the gunplay was great. The story was great. The new stuff was great. The old stuff was great. The only thing that I sort of, I sort of a little bit disappointed that, um, Kind of wanted them to take more liberties with the story and change yeah. it more, maybe I mean, improve you, you, you it. Can't, you can't really do that. Not in a, not in a reimagining of Resident Evil Two. Yeah, you know? I know, but like, like for example, Resident Evil One remake added Lisa Trevor, right? And Le- Lisa Trevor in Resident Evil One remake, she wasn't in the original, and she was like a pretty major addition to the story and the lore of the game. Mm-hmm. I was like. I thought that was a really good way to expand on the the sort of origins of the T-Virus and all that sort of stuff. And I don't want to get too deep into the lore, especially I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played. But I just sort of like, I, I kind of get the position they're in. They were like, we don't, want to, we don't want to make it, we want to add some new stuff. And they have added some new stuff. But it feels like they didn't want to take too many liberties with the story. And yeah. As a result, it's sort of like I just think I could have done more there, but I understand why they didn't. At the same time, some people would have been pissed. Um, Dude, so I started it up last night, and I've only played it for a few hours. I'm gonna be digging into it tonight. Hopefully, I can finish Leon's scenario tonight because they give you the choice at the beginning. Who do you want to play as first, Leon or Claire? Just like you know, the the two disc on Resident Evil Two, depending on which one you put in first. 
Um, and from the get-go, I was I was expecting a lot from this game, okay? It was my number two most anticipated for 2019. And people were like, it's just, it's Resident Evil 2. It's like, yeah, it's Resident Evil 2, but it's my favorite Resident Evil. It's also been a long time since I played it. It's been 20 years. Like, I haven't played Resident Evil 2 since I originally played it, so it's going to feel new. And when I got into it, it was just like, there's that feeling, like you mentioned, of nostalgia, but also like you're experiencing it for the first time, right? Not everything right. is the same. There are some changes. And even so, like when you go into the police station, you notice some things that you might remember, like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. But the enemies aren't in the same spot and, and things like that. So, and it's like updated for modern times, like with the controls and the graphics. It's, I, I, I'm so impressed. And I was already, my expectations were super high already. So, uh, I can't wait to play more. I can't wait to finish it. I can't wait to go into Claire's section uh, to see what uh, she has to offer. Now, Apparently, there is... Um, I mean, we had, we were lucky enough to have two codes. So, like, we had a PlayStation code and an Xbox code. Um, I haven't got to these parts yet, but apparently Claire's story gets really, really emotional. So Yeah, I haven't gotten to Claire's yet. I started as uh, Leon. I will say the one drawback that I've noticed... I love the fact that the game is very cinematic now, right? A lot of cutscenes, um, a lot of action. That's really cool. They're going for a very cinematic storytelling. However, <laughs> the dialogue is absolutely horrible. The dialogue between Leon and Claire is god-awful. The dialogue between most people is cringy at best. It, yeah, it's... It's still Resident Evil, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like almost self-referential in 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 some sense. I feel like, on the one hand, I hope they kept it cheesy because they thought, well, the original was cheesy, so let's keep it cheesy. But I also can't help but think, like, this is one area where Capcom just doesn't seem to invest that much in. Like, Monster Hunter World has lame dialogue too, like as well and Resident Evil 7 has pretty cheesy dialogue as well and I think it's just it's somewhere they don't invest that much and maybe this is somewhere where they can improve to some degree but it was it was possible it wasn't terrible I mean yeah I get it like Buddy Boy in chat says check out Resident Evil 1 original dialogue classic cheese I get it Resident Evil always had like cheesy element but like but the thing is like everything else in the game is immaculate the production values are insane it's just weird to go from you know great controls great graphics um you know the presentation everything the game offers to just kind of like corny ass dialogue man it just doesn't kind of fit with the uh, you know the presentation they're going for so that's my i think that's that's the the best way of putting it it's yeah. jar- it's jarring because everything else is so good and it's like why is this still like this you can play one cool thing about it that often isn't in japanese games uh ported to the west or whatever you can play it with a japanese dialogue which kind of like in a way limits the impact of the uh the american voice acting yeah. it isn't terrible but it's also not great 
When you now, understand what they're saying, it's it's a little bit easier to swallow. The game um is axe enhanced. Um, it runs at sixty frames, and it seems pretty damn solid on the X. Although it's supposed to be sixty frames on all consoles, I did watch a breakdown. It does not hold. <laughs> it does not hold sixty on the base Xbox One or the base PS4. I mean, on the Xbox One, it drops pretty good, but I haven't noticed a frame drop. Um, it, I mean, on my L, on my OLED, it looks phenomenal. Like, I didn't really notice much difference because I tried it out with without HDR and with HDR, and I didn't really notice that big of a difference. Unlike a game like Sea of Thieves, where the difference is ridiculous. Um, but it's still a good looking game. Um, but the IGN thing, Jez, IGN. 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 My God, have they, like, they've really torpedoed their credibility in recent months. So, they put out their Resident Evil 2 review, and I I sent it to you, right? I was like, Jess, look at this. They had to retract most of it because the reviewer didn't know how to access the scenario B for the other character and accidentally play through the same scenario, but with the other character, right? It's annoying because I feel like Capcom even Capcom probably even thought, okay, there's a potentiality here for people to not understand how this works. Obviously, if you played the original, you know, that's exactly how it works in the original. You, you play through as Leon and you play through as Claire, or you play through as Claire, and you play through as Leon, experiencing their intersecting, interweaving path through the game. Uh, they, scenario A has slightly different characters and enemies, to scenario B, and sl- slightly different areas, and slightly different weapons, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, that's the way it works in the original, and that's the way it works in Resident Evil 2. And at the end of scenario A, when you complete the game, it actually pops up with an ex- explanation, saying, this is what you need to do to get scenario B. And this is what you need to do now, experience a new nightmare. But um, IGN's reviewer missed that, apparently. Wasn't aware of how it works in the original. And then he kind of based all the negative, all the negativity about the game in his review was based around the idea that he couldn't figure out how to get to scenario B. Yeah. And um, people noticed. And uh, people it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. No, and, and the funny thing is, is he originally gave the game an 8.8, right? Even though he was really upset about this, uh, the scenario B and not being able to do it, how it was the same. Now, apparently, scenario B, when you do play it, the beginning's different and the end's different, but most of the stuff towards the middle is the same as the other person. So it's not that big of a difference, apparently, from like how Resident Evil 2 was originally. But then they only increased the score by 0.2. Like, I I don't get it. So like half the game is only worth point two. I, I I don't understand that. I don't understand. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna increase this by point one or point two. It's like what? But anyways, but it's just it's just another thing in a long string of bad decisions at res uh, at IGN. You had the Ace Combat review uh, last week where the guy played the entire game on on novice controls. Which is like the worst play, way to play that game, right? And he got called out for it. Not to mention the whole plagiarism scandal last year with Dead Cells. It's like IGN has literally become a joke. Not, you know, <laughs> and you know, I think we talked about in the podcast before. Is like I don't really follow a lot of the big news organizations. Yeah, 
like they'll drop news first, which is great because you know I, I talk a lot about news here on the channel. But I couldn't care less about any of those guys and what they think about games because you get situations this, like this. This is, this is the thing you say about game reviews, written editorial game reviews. They don't make any money. So, like from a business perspective, you don't put your best writers on game reviews. I'm lucky to be in a position where I can write about whatever I want. And I wrote, I wrote my Resident Evil 2 review, knowing full well it wasn't going to make return on investment or to, all the time that I put in it. But I, I wrote it because I wanted to write it. And I am lucky that I'm one of the rare writers in this industry that is able to do that. But IGN seems to have put all of its um, high-quality editorial staff, like the, you know, the, the sort of veterans, a lot of them pivoted to video, to like, in general. Um, you know the 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 good writers and the the good producers are pretty much doing the video stuff now, and honestly, that's that's where people want their news now. So it's kind of like I understand the position they're in, where it's like, how do you get, how do you monetize editorial when everyone's using ad blockers now? Um, that's true. Everyone's sort of put their uh, their quality writers over onto YouTube to produce YouTube content, and you know. Some of the IGN videos are great, and some of the you know their written previews and stuff are really good. But reviews don't make any money. So from a business perspective, maybe that's where it fell by the wayside. I don't know. I don't know the name of the, the writer who wrote that article or whatever. He's he's been a dude who's been working at IGN for like eighteen <laughs> years. He's been there a long time. Okay, well I'll shut my mouth then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's like, oh boy, IGN. Uh so yeah, that's that's Resident Evil 2. Uh I'll have a review out whenever I finish both scenarios. Maybe I'll start up a hardcore because there is they there's three different difficulties you can select. You got the standard difficulty, um there's easy, which features like regenerating health, the zombies are less uh aggressive and you there's checkpoints in the game because on standard you have to find a typewriter um the zombies do take a lot of bullets to kill though and then hardcore is uh you know you need to an ink ribbon to save um i think what what else is there uh, uh the on so basically the way it works is on easy you've got auto save and regenerate and health yeah and, and it's and way aim. too easy yeah and then on normal you've got no auto aim you don't have re- you have regenerating health above yellow caution, but, yes. Um, I think, but like if you get to red caution or danger, then you have to use you have to use health, and you also you also have auto saves, and the zombies take less bullets. On hardcore, the zombies take tons of bullets, so you pretty much have to be more strategic with how you shoot. Basically, you want to shoot a zombie to stun them and then run past them more likely than actually kill them because it's just going to chew for all your bullets. Yeah. And also there's no auto saves. You have nope. to use ink ribbons, which means you take up an inventory slot. If you want to save the bloody game, like it was back in the day. And, uh, and what else? There's no, there's no auto saves and everything's harder. And blah, blah, blah. Yep. So and also, also I want to add one more thing. Okay. Scenario B is actually harder as well. Oh, like on scenario B, they seem to like make everything slightly harder. Um, for example, the tyrant dude, he runs way faster in scenario B than he does in scenario A. I don't know why. Like he's he's just more angry in scenario B. He's just uh, you beat me in scenario A. Now I'm time to beat you up in scenario B. But um, yeah. yeah so he, he's Resident like Evil, more determined. 
Resident Evil 2 launches uh, Thursday night at midnight. Come out Friday. Uh, yeah. We'll talk probably, you know, like I said, I have a review. We'll probably go into more detail next week. But I just wanted to give you guys a little taste of the greatness that does await you on Friday if you're a fan of Resident Evil 2. Um, but moving on, I wanted to talk about Sea of Thieves. Thieves. And the resurgence that Sea of Thieves has seen on Twitch. People... Are you telling me that Sea of Thieves is 2019's PUBG? <sighs> I, I don't know. You're the one that tweeted it out last year. You know, There are people that use that... Uh, screenshot of that tweet and use that against you as ammo all the time like look look what jess corden said this fool <laughs> back last year he thought sea of thieves was gonna be good and have content <laughs> what a loser um what a loser but i saw polygon ran an article yesterday talking about how sea of thieves has seen this like resurgence on twitch right yeah. Yeah. and it's true like summit's playing it and he's like every time he streams it now He's the got the highest stream, right? The users watching him. And then wouldn't you know? Because let me tell you guys something. I predicted this nights ago. I said the way this YouTube and Twitch stuff works is that everybody watches everybody else's stuff and they see what is working for somebody else and they copy it. They try to jump on the bandwagon. You'll notice that a lot here, just in this small YouTube community, somebody will put out a video and then somebody else will put out the same video with the same title uh, trying to jump on it, right? But in Twitch, it's also the same because all these guys are looking for more more viewers, more subs, more money, right? So currently, you know, when PUBG blew up, everybody jumped on PUBG. You know, when Blackout blew up, everybody was on Blackout. When Fortnite blew up, Everybody was on Fortnite. They're all looking for that easy views and easy money, right? But then something weird happened. Summit started playing Sea of Thieves, and he actually really enjoys the game. He doesn't play it like how Rare wants you to play. He doesn't play it like everybody who has been playing Sea of Thieves the past five months has been playing the game. Very courteous, you know, uh, very respectful to other people. He plays it like a pirate. He gets on people's ships. He hides and then, at the right moment, he reveals himself and kills everybody and steals their loot. Like a pirate <laughs> should. Right? But I said to all my buddies, I was like, they all notice Summit out there blowing his channel up. Sea of Thieves blowing his channel up. Him getting all these subs. He went from like 18,000 paid subscribers to 42,000 paid subscribers by playing oh. Sea of Thieves. Right? And all these guys notice. So what happened? All of a sudden, Dr. Disrespect is streaming it. Tim the Tatman is streaming it. And then but, but Ryan, Ninja is streaming but, it. Ninja? Oh, wow. But Rand, I heard Microsoft paid for all this. No, they... Uh, look, if Microsoft... I, I, saw, I saw these tweets, man. I saw these tweets and recent error threads. Microsoft paid for this. Right. Well, those people are idiots. Because here's the thing. Yeah. If you're getting paid by a company... Ninja or Dr. Disrespect or Summit or all these guys are getting paid. They have to disclose that they are getting paid uh, by somebody for a sponsor stream. They have to include the hashtag ad. Otherwise, it's a crime. Uh, They can get in big trouble. So if you don't see that stuff, it's not paid for. And Microsoft 
to the best of my knowledge, and I've talked to a few people behind the scenes, they ain't paying for this. The reason why everybody's doing it is because they see what Sea of Thieves did for Summit, and they're chasing that glory like they've chased everything else on Twitch. Like, I, I just explained it. PUBG popular, everybody plays PUBG. Fortnite popular, everybody plays Fortnite. No surprise to me that all of a sudden Ninja's playing Sea of Thieves and, and talking about getting into it, right? So, that's, now you, that's weird, man. I mean, it is what That's it is. It is what it is. But then you start seeing it's weird because, like, because it's seeing this resurgence, all these people playing it on Twitch, all the people watching it, you have the people that were playing it for the last five months or since launch, they're upset. They're pissed off with all these new players playing. They're gatekeeping. You know, they're putting out uh, stuff. They're like, who was happier with Sea of Thieves before these streamers came in, right? They, 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 they're like, they're like, this is, this is horrible. Sea of Thieves was so much better before. Now, granted, a lot of these Sea of Thieves streamers are playing on PC. Some of them use that double gun exploit of being able to kind of like shoot, uh, one gun and quickly switch to the other to shoot that. A lot of the Xbox players are upset that they have to play with PC, that there's no option to disable crossplay. But that's, uh, that's one reason I don't play. Yeah, I got, I got ganked. I got ganked by a guy who's blatantly using a mouse, and I just thought, nah, nah. I don't. But it's that. like if it, the game's growing, and you want the game to continue getting free updates, like you want the game to be visible on Twitch. So, like, while more people might be playing like a pirate, which hello, it's a it. I, let me get my thoughts straight here. The fact that people get upset when someone plays the game as a pirate to steal your loot and complain about it is mind-boggling to me. It's a game about pirates. It's called Sea of Thieves for a reason. So if you get a whole bunch of loot and some other pirate comes by and sinks your ship and steals your shit, too bad, so sad. I have the world's smallest violin for you. It's part of the game. I don't get it, man. Jazz, you got, any, you got anything to add on this thing? I mean, I don't know why anyone would gatekeep that sort of stuff. If, if like, big Twitch streamers play Sea of Thieves regularly, that's the best thing that could happen for the game. Because even if, like, it doesn't... Even if it doesn't lead to, like, more people playing the game outwardly, what that does is tell Microsoft that the game has legs and that it's worth continuing to support. So... Clearly, there's some. There's very something about Sea Thieves. I don't play the game. I don't really like the game. But clearly, there's something about it because it, it just won't go away. You know. I yep. Know. I mean, they got the arena update coming out. I did see Cloberl uh, on Twitter say that um, there is an inside Xbox planned for February fifth, uh, yeah. where um, also like the rare is going to be there detailing the next update and what's you know, coming in the future for Sea of Thieves. I just, I find this so situation just weird. Like everybody's streaming the game. You know, I I thought, I I mean, you would have swore like back in March, like people were like, the game's garbage. And it's now, now it's like the most popular thing on Twitch. It's, it's so weird to see this happen. It's so incredibly weird. Um, I I bet Microsoft are kicking themselves for not having any monetization in the game yet. Well, I think that's actually smart of them because 
like I know they wanted to sell pets and all this stuff, but I think it, it's been smart of them to not have any monetization. You know, unless of course they're losing money on. I, I, I don't know. Like, it looks better for them that they've done all this free stuff and improved the game, adding more content instead of like, let's make a quick buck selling, uh, you know, pets. Because in this next story I wanted to talk about, uh, Call of Duty, like, they're selling red dots for a dollar and targeting reticles for two dollars. And, Given their CFOs a $15 million bonus, but then going to Blizzard and telling them, you need to cut costs on this stuff. Not only do you need to cut costs on all your games, but you have to make more games. And what do you think about that? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to defend Activision. You're gonna de- wait. Hold on one second. You heard, you heard me right. I'm before, gonna defend- before you defend Activision, Cyrus Burke has a super chat. He's talking about Sea of Thieves. He says, "From what I saw, the hardcore Sea of Thieves community is angry at this resurgent due to the influx of toxic players that negatively affect the game via exploits, possibly cheaters not playing like a pirate." Yeah, I mean, I, we mentioned the double gun stuff uh, is, is a thing that they're patching out. But thanks for the super chat. Now, Jez, please. Defend Activision, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, like are, they, saw... are they paying you for this? God, I wish. But um, they, uh, I, I saw this whole thing about the the dude getting the fifteen million bonus, and like, it, it pissed me off. Right, I saw Jim Sterling's tweet. He's like, rah, 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 fifteen dollar bonus, and then I saw like about five thousand retweets or wherever he got, and uh, everyone's angry. I was angry too. I hate Activision. They, you know, Downsize Heroes of Storm. It's one of my favorite games to play. So I am a fan of Activision. However, however, Rand, there was no $15 million bonus. No, there wasn't? People lied? The media lied to us? It was, in fact, performance-based stock bonus, which is not cash, which you can't use to cash flow a game. So saying like... Saying like they they're cutting Blizzard down, but giving another dude the cash, that's not strictly true because you can't pay you can't pay devs in stock, right? That was mm-hmm. a stock incentive, not cash. So that was let's just be clear on that point. However, how however, Activision still sucks and they're scummy and I hate them and <laughs> I hate what they're doing to Blizzard and I hate. Call of Duty being bad, and the fact that we talked about this on the last show, I think. Like, uh, it it boggles my mind that Call of Duty still doesn't have like true dedicated servers. You know, for all this time, we're still on this awful peer-hosted stuff. And another thing I've noticed that both EA and Activision are doing actually now, they're not putting microtransactions in the game until after a few. A few yes. weeks after launch, because they're smart. to avoid the backlash. Yes, have you noticed that Battlefield Five, uh, Battlefield Five Premium Currency recently showed up at retail? I did see that. Sneaky, they're, sneaky, they're sneaky. Dude, sneaky, they sneaky. they don't put the microtransactions in during the review phase, and then they add it months later, so people can't talk about the microtransactions in in their reviews. It's very sneaky. Very smart, but also very underhanded by these companies. Mm-hmm. Very shady. Like, 
the, even though we knew all this stuff was coming, it's like they're not going to put it out there until everybody's done reviewing Black Ops Four, right? Like, how different would the reviews be if act if, if when all these companies were reviewing Black Ops, and they're like, oh, by the way, they're selling a red dot for a buck. <laughs> Which I, I tell you, it go, it's even worse in Call of Duty Black Ops because the what if I, I mean if. If I'm understanding it right, I'm sure someone in chat will correct me if I'm wrong, but the way it works, at least sometimes the way it works in uh, Black Ops 4 is that you can unlock some of these, um, you unlock some of these time-gated cosmetics, but you only unlock all of them if you unlock the whole set. And if you run out of time, you don't unlock the whole set in time. You can basically buy them before the timer runs out. So it's kind of like it's kind of like really badly incentivizing people to choose between having wasted all their time and not getting the reward or spending the extra bit to get the reward that they'd spent time trying to get, but ran out of time. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I being clear? Well, so like, so Javier has a question in chat. He says selling a red dot by for a buck makes the game less entertaining question mark. Like, I, I I don't think it makes it less entertaining. It's just some people don't like being cash cows. You know what I mean? Um, so, so they see that and it's like they see it, it's like it's a red dot. Why not just have it as part of an unlock? Why have it for a, sell it for a dollar? Is is money that important to you? Where like this red dot literally cost a dollar? You know what I mean? Like it's it's insane. I, I sort of like I've had this question before, and it's like, why, why would you complain about cosmetic DLC and stuff? It's not the implementation of cosmetic DLC for me, well, um, or adding it rather. It's not. It's not the fact that they're adding. Oh, I think I think Jez went bye bye there. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll fill the air until Jez comes back. I think he might have dropped out or something, but. Some guy in chat says, just don't buy it. Problem solved. Uh, Javier says, you aren't cash cow if you don't buy it. Uh, Kickbatter says, everyone expected this and cheerfully bought the game. I'm not sure why the complaints. And that is true. Can you hear me? Okay, now you're back. Yeah, that is true. Right. That I mean, Kickbatter brings up a good point. Everybody knew about this. Everybody expected it. Everybody bought the game. Not sure why they're complaining. Now, that is true. Like I fully expected there to be microtransactions in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. I didn't buy it because there wasn't a single player. So they, you know, they put out the reviews and it's it's a fun game and it's got like the highest rated Call of Duty game and then 5 months later or whatever it is, here come the microtransactions and they're scummy. According to a lot of people, they're like the worst microtransactions Call of Duty's ever seen. And it's like some people would be like if I had known about this at launch, I wouldn't have bought it. Some people are like, if they were here at launch, this would have affected the score of my review. So, like, kind of how we were talking about earlier, how these microtransactions aren't in the game at launch because publishers know they'll negatively impact their review scores. Um, but yeah, a lot of people do know going in that it's going to have microtransactions, and quite frankly, I think most people are fine with microtransactions. I, I think that's obvious. Like, I, you know, especially with how Fortnite does theirs. But go ahead, Jess. Continue what you were saying before you got uh, yeah, I, I got cut I out. Know what, I don't know what happened there. My computer froze up for a split second and it disconnected my microphone. But um, Basically, what I was saying was it's it's not the fact that they add microtransactions. It's the way they're implemented. 
like in, in Shadow of War, for example, the fact that the game has accelerators, which lets you skip content. That's fine, right? But the problem is, it felt like they artificially padded out the end game to sort of incentivize you to buy these accelerators. Not only that, but they put adverts for the accelerators in the pause menu. Now, I don't know about everyone else, and, you know, and people, people have different, different susceptibilities to microtransactions and wasting money. I'm the kind of person who sometimes struggles to not waste money. You know, I am the kind of person who will waste money on a loot box or whatever. Like I've spent an obscene amount of, on stuff in Overwatch, for example. And you can argue that, yeah, maybe that's my problem. And yeah, you know, it totally is my lack of willpower or whatever, like and stuff like that. Um, but the thing is, luckily enough, I, I can afford it. I can afford to waste money on microtransactions and stuff like that. But for people who are sort of like they're susceptible to that sort of stuff and they don't have the willpower, but they also can't afford it. It's it's kind of, it's kind of like a slippery slope. It's just it just feels scummy, you know. When you open up a pause menu and there's an advert there, I don't know about you guys, but I play games to relax a lot. And you know, one of the reasons why I don't watch TV is because there's adverts all over it, and I realize that's how they monetize it. But I don't relax when I'm being having an ad shoved in my face, and that's why like people people um, use ad blockers. You know, if ad if ads were okay with people then they probably wouldn't use ad blockers you know and um it goes beyond that the whole ad blockers thing because then you start getting into the the slippery slope aspect where the developer's like okay we'll do cosmetic dlc this time we'll do pay to win next time and then like gradually over the years we eventually get to a point where games just become corrupted and you've got like a whole generation of kids growing up thinking like mobile phone style pay to win microtransactions are are completely fine and that's the world they've grown up they've grown up in you know and world of like world of tanks for example is a super popular game free to play and the fact that it's free fair enough but the game is also pretty much pay to win you know you have like these brackets separate you're separated by bracket of how powerful your tanks are but there's always someone with the more powerful tank in your bracket and chances are they're paid for that tank yeah you know and fair enough, it's a free-to-play game, but that, but that's that could ease that could so easily slip into premium games too. You know, we saw it with Battlefront, Battlefront Two, for example, and great, there was a huge backlash against it. But you know, eventually, one company will be subtle enough and scummy enough that they'll figure <laughs> out a way of pushing it through the slippery slope without anyone noticing. Like, for example, a few weeks or months after launch. You know, and like everyone else has moved on, and the the news cycles moved on something else. You know, it's a slippery slope, and that's why is, people don't is, like it. It is a slippery slope. But walkers make they'll see if it if it funds like really good content post launch, and like a developer has earned the respect of its fans to like put and you know they they've demonstrated that they will reinvest that money in the game rather than ex- rather than extra yachts for their executives and 15 million dollar bonuses and stuff like that then fine i'm totally for it if if they show that it's you know the the money they're using is for a pro consumer reason then that's completely cool but yeah. a lot of companies just don't do that i don't know all right so <clears throat> i wanted to talk now about like because the microtransaction stuff it's like some people are very much like yo i don't like it i don't buy it i don't care that it's there and i get it right some people are like 
I'm fine with it. I don't have a lot of time, so I'll buy it because it helps me you know, like the Assassin's Creed stuff. There's there is a strong like segment, vocal segment of gamers that don't like it, but then there's clearly the market has responded positively and people don't seem to like it. So it's like you always kind of get like two different camps on this. The ones who are like, this is egregious and horrible, and the others are like, I don't see a problem with it. You know, I guess it like people had a problem with uh the battle the battlefront two uh, microtransactions and loot boxes, mainly because it was a loot box and it was like almost like a mobile structure where like you got character was like made better with like perks in a competitive game, which kind of, you know, people rallied against, but it's always an interesting conversation. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know what, let's move on and let's talk about the Xbox two rumors and leaks. So I see we have like 410 people watching. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you hit that like button. We would greatly appreciate it. Now, Jez, I'm sure you've seen a lot of this uh, speculation hit recently about next generation Xbox, next generation PlayStation 5. It's not just one, it's both, right? They're both coming relatively soon. Um, You know, the PS5 CPU supposedly leaked. I did a video about that. Uh, But we're more, like, even though we deal with a lot of, uh, you know, everything in the video game industry, we do kind of you know, more look at it from the Xbox perspective of things. So I wanted to get your takes on these recent Xbox two rumors and stuff. Now there was that Reddit leak, which was taken down, which everybody has kind of ran with, which I did a video about. Um, It talked about, let me get the, let me actually get the sheet up here so I can actually read it to you instead of trying to draw it from my memory. So, um, Two consoles, right? Now, he called the one the next Xbox streaming console, Lockhart, which obviously it's not streaming, right? Lockhart is not a streaming console, so that's wrong already, right, Jez? Yep. Lockhart okay. 100% definitely not a streaming console. It's 100% not a streaming console. He has it at 250 I think it's too early in the game to lock down price. I don't think Microsoft knows the prices of these consoles yet. Would, would that be a fair thing to say, Jez? I would say so, yep. I don't think they know the price. They don't know how, you know, it all depends on, there's a this huge chain of events determine how much a console is going to be. So, right. So he says the Lockhart SKU is going to have, uh, CPU is going to have eight cores, 16 threads, Zen two CPU with a custom Navi GPU at four teraflops, 12 gigs of GD, DDR six memory, one terabyte SSD storage, with uh, DirectX ray tracing. But then the Anaconda SKU is going to be 500 bucks, and it also has a custom 8-core, 16-thread Zen 2 CPU with the custom Navi GPU at 12 teraflops, so an 8-teraflop difference, uh, 16 gigabytes of memory, another 1-terabyte SSD for storage and ray tracing. He says that both those consoles will launch holiday of 2020, the next Xbox XDK will roll out in April, May of this year. Uh, both consoles will have heavy customized CPU and GPU, and both will support ray tracing with the XR. Uh, you'll start to see more about these things uh, around GDC, and that the next Xbox will be fully backwards compatible with the Xbox One, and and also the 360 and the OG. Um, what is your take on all that stuff? Is that wishful thinking? Is that is some things might be right? Is it just kind of like 
rumors kind of compiled together uh, by somebody? What do you think? Well, I mean, you always have to take these things with a pinch of salt. Like, a lot of this information is already out there. We know for a fact, pretty much, that it's going to be backwards compatible with the Xbox One. I know that for a fact. Phil Spencer's heavily hinted at it, too. And Microsoft's put its its stamp on backwards compatibility. So you can pretty much guarantee that the next Xbox will be backwards compatible. Also, um, I've also heard that storage load speeds and stuff like that is also a focus so maybe the ssd stuff is true as well um uh, i heard there was going to be some kind of software solution as well in addition to that but uh, again it's like really sort of weak kind of rumor that one so i don't know about that one the thing that made me a bit iffy on it was the fact that originally this leak came along with uh a dev kit leak codenamed Dante. I don't know if you saw this. I don't yeah, know if it's the same leak, but I don't think that Dante thing is real. Which made me question whether the whole thing was real. Interesting. Um, so what was so so the Dante, Xbox Dante was the name of the dev kit, right? Uh Apparently, like when I first saw this leak, these specs, it came, it also came with this Xbox Dante, which is supposedly the dev kit, but I, I've got reason to believe that dev kit bit isn't true, which made me question whether the rest of it was true. So ultimately, I don't know. And I can't say if it's real or not. Um, I guess nobody really can, but I basically, I'm a sort of like, I don't know. On the stuff we don't know, like the the CPU and the stuff like that. I mean, ray tracing is probably a given because it's the new hotness in graphics or whatever. But I'm sort of like 50-50 on it right now in terms of validity. So Joshua Bethel in chat says, Brad Sam said Dante was real. Oh, really? Well, supposedly. I don't know. But also, there was an... er So somebody else came out today and I saw WCCF Tech ran an article about this because it was in Reset Era. Uh, This guy came out and said that the hardware stuff is partially true. The storage stuff is 100% true. So the SSD stuff. Ray ray tracing is true. Lockhart is not the streaming Xbox. The Xbox system on a a chip code name is Anubis. Check AMD's plan. Microsoft AI is not part of the hardware. In other words, never heard of TPU or ACE. SIC, uh, how to implement ray tracing, see GDS, GDC 2019, why they made a decision like Lockhart, see GDC 2019, why there's still no dev kits after GDC 2019. Um, so then you have, you know, like I said, you have this guy who's a, a supposed insider confirming at least some of that spec leak that we were talking about. Now, I do have to mention, uh, there are people that's, I get DMs all the time, right? People ask me to make videos about stuff. People ask me like, oh, did you hear this? How true is this? And, you know, I I got a whole bunch of DMs recently about uh, someone said that they, um, uh, there was an interview with some developer who said that, uh, you know, they already had Xbox dev kits, Xbox two dev kits in their hands already. And, you know, I got a whole bunch of questions like, Rand, is this true? And I 
I can't find the info for it. So I think whoever you heard it from uh, is literally lying to you. I think the person who ever said that, because I'm not sure who it was, uh, that that someone I don't know, because I get, like I get a lot of DMs from people uh, giving me information, asking me questions. Is this true? Is this not true? And apparently, somebody was going around saying that uh, there was this developer who, in an interview, said that. He the, he already had Xbox Two dev kits and Aconda and uh, Lockhart dev kit stuff, but I can't find any of the information about it. I can't find an interview from anybody from any company talking about having dev kits for Xbox Two already. So I'm going to say that the person who's telling you that is more than likely 100% lying. Um, because if there was an interview, it would be all over the place, right? Oh yeah. So, like, I don't know. Sometimes when you hear things, you got to check the source. You know, if you see a YouTuber saying one thing and he says there's a source, but there's no source in the description, uh, then I would highly doubt it that he's telling you the truth. Always look for a source. Always double check everything you hear on the Internet. Never just assume what somebody's telling you is the truth. Um, you know, the way everything is now, people people will lie to just get views and money and everything. So, be careful. Oh, I thought about you said that. someone was lying to me. No, 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 not lying to you. I'm just saying lying in general. Like because I, I get I get so many questions every single day about stuff. Well, that, that's what I heard. That's I heard that the dev kids hadn't got out. Right. I mean, I had heard that I, I I think they know what's I think some of the partners know what they're going to they're going they're aiming at, but I'm not sure anybody has dev kits See, the CEOs of third parties have the information. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I just I just want to let that know. Let anybody who's you know asking me about it, uh, you know, hey, uh, I, I I think you're being lied to, and um, that's one of the things here at the channel. Like I'm never going to do. I don't lie to people. I always have a source when I make videos, uh, what, unless of course it's my own opinion. So that's why, like, if you like you know gaming news and opinions and stuff that is going to be truthful. I always say, you know, subscribe to the channel. It helps out, you know, maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Uh, but I'm never going to lie to anybody because I'm not in this for views and I'm not in this for money. I don't need to make, you know, five videos a day to meet some quota. You know what I mean? So I don't know either way. Um, I'm, (laughs) Now, there was this other part that I wanted to talk about according to this leak. And look, while hardware talk is cool, seeing what this other stuff is, I'm more interested in the game aspect of stuff, right? I want to know what am I going to be playing on these next-gen hardware? Because the hardware is just the hardware. And I, I trust Microsoft enough to know that I think they'll get it right with the Anaconda and the Lockhart, considering how great the X is, right? If If they didn't do the X... I'd be a little bit more worried because they did the Xbox One OG, which was a terrible system. God, what a horrible system that was, right? Um, but this guy also talked about uh, studio buyouts, which is always interesting because studios make games. And uh, Jez, I'm going to give you a rundown of the studios that he says Microsoft is in current negotiations with. Okay? So, you ready for this? Asbo Studio, IO Interactive, Platinum Games, <laughs> Turtle Rock Studios, Blue Point Games, Relic Entertainment, and The Farm 51. 
And he says, also a few more. There are studios from the UK, France, Germany, Poland, Ukraine, Finland, Canada, Japan, Korea. Microsoft wants great talent and diversity around the world, but they don't Say have Ukraine. a target number. Huh? Say Ukraine. Uh, yes, Ukraine. Hmm. So, anything in there out of those uh, names there uh, stick out to you? Uh, well, I'd be shocked if Platinum Games was true. I would be shocked, shocked as well. <laughs> I would be stunned and just mind-blown, frankly. But um, The fact that they've got uh, Platinum Games in there makes me think the whole list is fake. You think the whole thing's fake? Well, it's kind of like... Why, why would, like... It sounds like someone's wish list again. It like, does, doesn't it? It does the, sound like an Xbox fan's wish list of... Or just like a collection of rumors that he heard at Reset Era or something, right? Yeah, I don't think Platinum Games... I don't think that Platinum Games thing is even vaguely remotely in the realm of possibility, given yeah. what Blue Point, though, <laughs> is interesting, though. Blue Point is... You know, a studio that has ties to Sony. They've done some games for them, remasters. Uh, Cloberl did say that there was that developer that it ties to them. Um, Relic Entertainment, they make, like, you know, Warhammer and stuff. Uh, Iron Interactive, we know, has had some problems. You know, Hitman 2 didn't sell well. and Yeah, but I, I do look at this and just, I, I kind of see it as, like, this is the wish list. I'm not saying, I do think Microsoft is in active talks with a lot of developers. Would you Would you agree on that? So they say. So they say. So they say. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But yeah, so those are like the recent leaks and rumors regarding the Xbox 2. Seems like ray tracing is going to be in. Seems like the storage stuff might be true. The specs and what the like teraflops are going to be. You know, is it really 12 teraflops for the Anaconda? Is it really four? Does, Does that seem a little bit low to you, Jez? Four teraflops for the Lockhart, twelve for the Anaconda. Like, dude, would you expect? Does this seem low? I would think, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what, what the mentality is with having, having the Lockhart that less powerful than the X. Well, if so, they can sell it cheaper. You know, like if 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 you're trying to like, if the goal would that be an updated S, and then you'd have the X as. I would, would imagine this is the the repl- this is the replacement for the X. Like this comes out and the X gets discontinued, and then you know what I mean. Like because, I'm, like let's just say so the X has six teraflops of GPU power, right? But also has a shitty CPU and it also has an old GPU, right? So then you have, have a really problematic operating system. Yeah. So then you come with next gen. Well, now Lockhart has a. Uh, a Zen 2 CPU, which is way better than the old Jaguar uh, CPU that the X has. Yeah, it might have less overall GPU power with, say, four teraflops or five teraflops instead of six, but also has a more modern GPU, a Navi instead of, uh, I think, the Polaris that the X had. So even though it would have less teraflops, it potentially could be performing way better at a cheaper price point you know, because like if Microsoft, if the goal here is PlayStation Five is one skew, and that skew is four hundred bucks, and we have a premium Xbox at five hundred, like there's you gotta like pull, you gotta make the cheaper skew, you gotta pull some stuff out to make it cheap, right? Or to at least undercut PlayStation Five a bit. So, 
I think there might be some truth to that. I, I think the Lockhart skew may not have as many teraflops as the X. If it's trying to come in at $300, you know what I mean? Certainly possible. But I mean, that would put Microsoft at next gen and be like, here's a 1080p 60 machine that'll do 1080p, you know, 60 in all games this, this upcoming gen. And then we have one that's going to do 4k 60, uh, which obviously if you want to pay for it, you can, or you can play games on your mobile phone streaming it, or you can play games on your PC. You know what I mean? seems like they're trying to like, going to be everywhere streaming to PC, you know, maybe even natively on PC. Well, that, that's, so that's the other thing. So stuff turns out to be true. Satya Nadella, Nadella, I always screw up his last name. He said that he really wants Xbox, uh, to be the Netflix of gaming. And they talk about game pass. um, how important is Game Pass and xCloud to the future of Xbox, Jez? Well, the thing is about his Netflix comparison kind of shows like his lack of understanding about where Xbox is right now. I think for Xbox to become the, the, the Netflix of gaming, it needs to have the content. You know, I can, I can turn on Netflix and there's like there's dozens of high quality exclusive content that you can watch. Like I've just started watching this cooking show called the the final table. And I ain't really into cooking shows, but it's really good. <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, I just, there's just always something to watch on Netflix. The same is not true about Xbox. There's not always high quality exclusive content on Xbox. that really makes the comparison to Netflix adequate. I would say. Now, that is true. That is why, though, they bought so many damn studios. And, you know, if they are trying to be Netflix, and it's ultimately the quality that needs to be upped because the technology is there. And, like, no, no, one, no one's worried about Xbox's technology. No one. You know, I, I, ain't, in the, I ain't in the slightest bit worried anymore that like the next xbox will have a red ring of death or something like that you know, i've been using surface devices for years now and they've all been great um the xbox one s and the xbox one x have just been pretty much flawless for me um i'm in the slightest bit worried about their their engineering prowess you know but it's it's them games man it always comes back to the games and it's like can they deliver on the games and i i still still ain't that confident that they can really get it to that sort of level where it needs to be, you know? Okay. There's going to be, there's going to be loads of great double A games. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of wasteland, man. You know, I, am. I know I you are. Oh my God. Look- you, you guys should see my DMS when they announced <laughs> in exile. Uh, Jazz was like, this is the biggest thing for me. Oh my God. <laughs> like he was so excited for that. I love I love classic Fallout and I love that Wasteland Two is basically the real Fallout Three, you know. And NXR has like a really passionate fan base amongst people who like those kind of games. But I'm also not delusional enough to think that those kind of turn based CRPGs are like the big heavy hitters that are gonna compete with God of War, you know. You'd have to be delusional to think that. And you you'd also have to be delusional to think that a huge quantity of those double A games is enough to compete with the God of Wars of the world. You know, they need, they need to have those double A games to fill in the gaps. Like Netflix has its double A shows, right? 
in between. Yeah, yeah, like, it has Stranger some, Things and, yeah. and you know House of Cards before Kevin Spacey went weird. Oh well, he was always weird before we found out that he went weird, shall we say? Um, and Netflix has his flagship shows and his double A shows that you watch in between the triple A shows, but. Microsoft ain't got a huge amount of AAA shows, and that's where it needs to get the okay. studios to. So I'm going to say this comment to you, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So Evan Novella says, Jess sounds either depressed or pissed at Randy. Are you, are you depressed or pissed at me, Jess? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. He, just, he said that. But so you that's said... That's just my natural tone of voice. I just, yeah. I'm just constantly He's, depressed. So, so you said you're, you're still not confident that... Microsoft is going to be able to do the games thing. When I mean, I need to see it, man. It's okay, like, so like so with the, with the you had the Red Ring of Death, blah blah blah, and then you know when when the Xbox they bought the Xbox Elite, the Xbox 360 Elite, I was, and that's still had the Red Ring of Death issue, I think, in some cases, and then they bought out the Xbox One, Xbox 360 S, which had the updated design, but it didn't Red Ring of Death, but my God, did it run hot. You know, yeah. but, the, but the confidence was growing, you know. So and, when uh, so when would you become a believer in the new studios that Microsoft bought? Does it have to be more than just Ninja Theory puts out a really good game, Playground second game, whatever it is, is is amazing. Would that, would then you be like, okay, that's I think they made good decisions, or does it have to be more than that? Like, do you already expect Playground Games' next game to be great because they're a great studio? Or Ninja Theory's next game is going to be great because they put out great content previously? Is it like one of those off chances, like Compulsion Games, a a, a studio that's made two games that are very mediocre, suddenly they put out something good? Like, when were you, you, or is it more like you're going to look at it from an individual, like, studio perspective? Like, the way I'm going to look at it, I mean, this is, it's literally what Satya Nadella, Satya Nadella said. And it feels to me like what he said is basically something that's, that is taken straight out of a, a meeting, you know, with, with Microsoft executives. Like maybe, maybe they're all like, yeah, we need to be in the Netflix of gaming. If they want to be in the Netflix of gaming, they need at least one flagship show every year. That's true. And they need, they need like, and I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about Call of Duty popcorn entertainment, you know. You can have your games as a service for that sort of thing. So you they think need, they need Halo? They need a headline act. They need one headline act every year before I'll consider them the Netflix of gaming. And maybe that's completely unrealistic. Maybe it is. But the fact of the matter is, that's what Netflix does, man. They have like... I mean, Netflix goes in beyond that, but it's it's probably logistically simpler to make a TV show than it is a big flagship AAA game. And maybe it's unrealistic to expect they can really nail a big, great AAA release every year. But Sony had Spider-Man and God of War in the space of one year. So maybe it isn't that unrealistic. Well, and there's also the possibility Sony's going to have Death Stranding and Last of Us 2 in the space of one year. Or, what? yeah, I mean, do you need multiples? Is it, would it be best to have a big AAA in the beginning of the year and a big AAA at the end of the year? Like... You've got to to spice them out, right? I do think Microsoft needs to shake off this. um, There's this kind of stereotype, or maybe not stereotype, but like perspective. Yeah, stigma that Microsoft, the only good games Microsoft makes are racing games, which, I mean, it's been true for the last couple of years. Like, you can count on Forza to be great, but when it comes down to everything else, it's like, 
maybe they haven't put their best foot forward. So they need to stake that stigma where it's like people say Microsoft makes great racing games, right? Whereas like that stigma needs to come off and just Microsoft makes great games. Like Halo Infinite needs to be amazing. Gears 5 needs to be amazing. Uh, the Initiative's new game has to be great. Uh, Ninja Theory has to put out great content. And once that all starts to happen, if it does happen, I hope it does, I think people's that stigma will change and from Microsoft only makes great racing games to, hey, Microsoft is putting out damn good content. Um, but, I mean, not on the last two... I mean, I've said it before, last two years for Xbox has been bad. For me, I'll say for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else, okay? Like, yes, and I played I played all the third-party games. I play more games than most people out there. Like, the exclusive games for Microsoft the last two years have been incredibly lackluster. Um, but I do think that going forward, and yeah, it'd be like, wait for next gen. I know how ridiculous and stupid that sounds. I even hate saying it myself. But, you know, Microsoft clearly saw a weakness in whatever they were doing and decided to do something about it. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I forgot even what I was talking about, honestly, there. I'm kind of reading chat, and I'd appreciate it if uh, everybody uh, does not take personal chat attacks at other people. If I see personal attacks, especially from a mod, I will demod you. So... Uh, I don't like uh, people taking uh, personal shots at one another. So, um, let that be a warning. Now, a friend of mine, before we get into the next topic, a friend of mine sent me a bunch of codes for a game on Steam, right? Uh, Legendary codes, too. So, it unlocks everything in the game. So, he wanted me to give it away on the podcast, and I told him I would. And uh, really quickly, the game is... Uh, Switchblade. It's a it's a it's a car game. Oh, let me let me get the information here. Right, uh, it's Switchblade. Comp- it's a competitive car game. Yes, it's a five v five vehicular combat MOBA game by Lucid Game, who makes games like Geometry Wars. A whole bunch of staff is ex Bizarre Creations, who did PGR. Now, I have five codes for the starter pack and legendary pack. Starter packs unlock stuff in the game. It's free to play, but unlocks some cars. The legendary pack. Unlocks everything in the game. So I have five codes. So I figured, you know what? If you are listening to this and you really want to try this game out, uh, the first five people to DM me on Twitter, uh, I will give you the codes. So just uh, my DMs are open. Uh, Just hit me up in DMs asking for the code for Switchblade, and I'll give you the starter pack and the legendary pack. First five people. Uh, I will give you the codes. So, yeah, I'll, I will send those codes out after the podcast is over. And for those who aren't watching the podcast live, we need to, we'll probably come up with a better mechanism for doing giveaways as a result of the podcast for people who aren't watching live. That is so, true. stay tuned for that. Yeah. But this one, this one's just for the live. Yeah. So, okay. Um, what to talk about next? Oh, yes. EA. EA. Yay. Ah, <sighs> man. Oh, you can't, you can't, you can't talk about EA without sighing. I'm looking forward to the day where I can be really happy with EA, but... <sighs> will, ever, will that day ever come, Rand? 
I don't know. I don't know. So EA, uh, according to Jason Schreer and a few other people, they canceled yet another Star Wars game, Oof. which was the game that they was, which was the visceral. So when they shut down visceral games, Amy Henning's Star Wars game, they moved it to, I think EA Vancouver, or EA motive or something. Uh, and then it got canceled and then they canceled it like right again. So it's like, I Jez, is it just me or is EA just completely drop the ball when it comes to the Disney license? I mean, you had a uh, Gary Witter who wrote rogue one, I believe the star Wars rogue one. He he's a gamer and he, he, he said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing. If I was Disney, I'd be pissed. At the way EA has handled this license, and I saw a lot of people say that they're like, Disney cannot be happy with how like EA has kind of squandered its exclusivity on um, console AAA console Star Wars games. You know, there there are still like mobile games and stuff that aren't made by EA, but like as far as console games and the you know big AAA PC games are made, uh, go, it's it's EA or nothing. He has the exclusive license, and they—I can't remember how much they paid for it, but it was a lot of money. Um, and they've pretty much only made two, three mixed reception shooters so far. Um, one of which incurred the greatest <laughs> negative PR for video games in a damn long time. Yeah, that's true. Um, which obviously Disney doesn't like negative PR attached to any of its licenses, so. I would say they pretty much have haven't dropped the ball, man. They've they've dropped the Death Star, they've dropped the BB-8, and it's blown up on the floor, begging for help. And can they salvage it, man? Is is they just are they just is this just impossible to salvage at this point? You've got uh, what what projects are still in development? You've got Time for Respawn Entertainment's project, right? Uh, what, what was that? I was just taking care of something. I'm oh, sorry. I was saying, like, what Star Wars projects are still actually officially in development? We've got, like, the Respawn Entertainment game, Jedi Fallen Order, right? Mm-hmm. Jedi um, Fallen Order, they they got presumably... that coming out this holiday, yep, yep. Presumably Battlefront 3, third time's a charm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're still updating Battlefront 2. Count Dooku came out today, I think. And uh, General Grievous came out, and apparently, you know, I will say one thing for EA: act, their post-launch support of Battlefront Two has actually been pretty good. Yeah, it has been, but I mean, like, I don't know, like the that whole debacle with the the, the loot boxes and stuff really. <laughs> I'm they just... they ruined it. It's like yeah. it's like if they if they just not done that and had cosmetic DLC or cosmetic microtransactions or whatever, and just stuck with that. None of this would have happened, probably. No, no, definitely wouldn't have. But, like, do you think when Disney inked this deal... Now, do you think... All right, let me ask you this, because I've had a couple conversations with people. Do you think Disney cares, number one? Or is Disney fine with just getting whatever amount of money that EA paid them? Because a canceled game, nobody's going to see. It's not like it tarnishes Star Wars brand, right? Star Wars Battlefront, you could argue, tarnished it a little bit. 
But like a canceled Star Wars game they never showed doesn't really affect negatively affect the brand. So is Disney just okay with whatever amount of money EA paid them? Or does Disney actually want to see great content put out from EA on a regular basis to help improve the Star Wars brand? I mean, where do you fall on that line? Are, are you are you fine with people saying Disney doesn't give a shit? Or does Disney care? It's really hard to say. You know, I mean, I'm sure if Disney really cared that much, probably wouldn't have closed down LucasArts, right? Like, they probably would be trying to make their own games. But, yeah, but that's kind of hard, right? Like, the whole reason they did that was, like, it's hard making your own games. Uh, so they figured, like, we'll go with EA, and they can make games for us. And I don't know. Like, I can see that's both... The, pro- the problem with EA is they are fundamentally, right now... The idea of what a Star Wars game should be is fundamentally at odds with the way EA wants to run its business. EA, it doesn't feel like EA wants single-player games anymore. Like, when, when's the last single-player game they put out? Mirror's Edge? And Mirror's Edge, uh, I can't even remember what the subtitle was now. Alice. I mean, like, I mean, like a strictly a single-player game? Yeah, I mean, like, but that, that's what you want out of Star Wars. That's what Battlefront 1 was criticized for, that they had the Star Wars license and they didn't really leverage the universe and it was just this sort of shallow multiplayer experience that was hyper casual and just wasn't the kind of you know it didn't use the the license to its full potential and that's why like in Battlefront 2 we had a fairly passable ish uh, campaign which wasn't True. terrible but it wasn't like it wasn't groundbreaking but it, at least it was something you know well, but, like EA is like they don't seem to want to make single-player games anymore. No, because and, it probably doesn't make them a lot of money. So, which is kind of weird that Respawn game is uh, a probably a single-player game I, or co-op game at, at best, right? Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know what. See, the thing is, a lot of us speculate on what the contract was between Disney and EA. Like, we don't know. Like, okay. we don't know if they if if EA has to hit a certain quota of Star Wars games by a certain amount of time. They have to be a certain like Metacritic average. Uh, you know, if there's like an out clause, which there probably is would, in a um, contract like this, you know, I would assume. I would assume that. Um, I would assume that Disney's probably they probably don't care, and that really it's more about like Disney are probably like um, we've got our money from uh, selling them the license. Now um, they probably will get some form of royalty payments from any game that EA makes, but. Ultimately, it's EA who aren't making their money back from what for whatever they're paid. So, like, it should be like ultimately, EA is the one that should be worried more than anything. I think. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's sure. It's like, yeah, Disney's probably losing whatever royalties they agreed to as part of this deal. Um, and I'm sure that in a perfect world, Disney would like you know at least one great star wars game every couple of years at the least or you know considering that they had so many studios making i mean it's pro- such a projects but it's such a big franchise that you would want star wars games out at least once a year and you know like yeah. not only like the big like multiplayer games because i i mean i love star wars like star wars battlefront like multiplayer that sounds amazing but then i also want the single player stuff which is what they're doing with respawn and gary witta who wrote rogue one said he's seen some of the um 
some of the cancel gameplay of the Star Wars game or the cancel Star Wars gameplay, he says it was magnificent. It was like Uncharted in Star Wars. And that he feels uh he feels uh that it was the the whole brand has been uh completely like mismanaged like horrifically. So the thing is man, it's like but it's like how can you say I'm not saying he's wrong, but at the same time, it's kind of like, if you see like a vertical slice or something, how can you say it's going to be on Uncharted's level when it becomes a finished product, you know? And may- maybe they were going for it to be Uncharted, but in reality, could they have got it to that level? And clearly EA feels like they couldn't have done. No. Yeah. EA ain't a game dev, ultimately. No. Yeah. So... Um, I wanna, I wanna believe that EA made the right decision, but it's also hard to think that about EA, considering all the terrible things they they've done and do. So, yeah, it is what it is, man. I personally think that Disney itself is struggling with the Star Wars license. You know, like Solo didn't meet expectations in terms of uh, box office sales which led to them cancelling the entire Expanded Universe movie lineup they had planned. And you also have The Last Jedi having the mixed reception. And as a result of that, Episode Nine is probably not going to do as well. So, you know, it, it seems like, it just seems like it's a hard license to work with and deliver on what those expectations might be. Maybe I'm talking crap. I don't know. But, yeah. You don't, you don't want to piss them fans off, man. So, it is what it is. <sighs> NPDs, Jez, from uh, December. NPDs. So, uh, they put out the stuff for December uh, and, like, all the best-selling games and all that stuff. And, man, Switch absolutely killed it but first carlos crespin says uh ea is ruining star wars like they ruined the 007 games shout out to you for the super chat that is true they had the 007 license at one point really uh that at one point that. <laughs> at one point uh wait actually i'm thinking yeah at one point they did have the double 007 license I didn't know um that. so yeah i'm I, then i think activision had it or i forget like <laughs> like the license hold that went through but at one point yeah uh, they had it. So I mean, I don't know. Like license, you don't really see a lot of licensed games anymore. So that's the thing. Like li- licensed games in general, they had their own stigma. Like I see a licensed game and just assume straight away it was going to be trash. That that some company is was trying to make a quick cash in, and you still get those kind of games, right? Like um, Platinum Games put out a Transformers game, which was basically a cash in on the name and not actually very good. And, yeah, uh, didn't they also do that with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Or was someone else? Platinum? Uh, Platinum Games made that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, again, like that game wasn't particularly well received either. So it's like you get these licensed games that just end up like trash, and it just makes me assume all licensed games are kind of trash. But then the uh, Arkham Batman games kind of changed things, right? They sure did. They, they uh, absolutely one hundred percent did. They sort of, they sort of created this idea that a licensed game could be actually good. And then you got Spider-Man, which everyone adores. I still haven't played it myself yet. I need to get through The Last of Us first, but um, 
you know, they've pushed they've pushed the idea of what a licensed game should be. So you, who knows, man? Maybe EA saw what Spider Man did and just thought, you know what? We need to do better than this because people expect more from licensed games now. You know? Yeah. So really quickly, the MPD stuff, then we'll talk about Crackdown's marketing or lack thereof marketing. So uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is the best-selling video game of all of 2018, Jez. First time a non-Call of Duty game was number one in since 2013. I'm so, so happy. I'm so happy about this purely because it's a single-play game. And yeah, I know it's got the online mode and stuff like that, but it's like it, it books the trend, right? That a game has to be... It has to be a certain way to sell on Call of Duty's level, and Rockstar have basically proven the opposite. And yeah, there's there's a question there's a question over Red Dead Redemption too about what did it cost? You know, they like the work is the working conditions that to put up with worth it and and stuff like that. And I don't know what it's like working at Rockstar personally. I haven't been there. You know the the only the account we've got mixed accounts. We've got conflicting accounts of how bad conditions were for people who worked on that game. But what it's resulted in is a timeless piece of art and entertainment that beat Call of Duty, which is all that matters. <laughs> but no, it it just it kind of just bodes well for single player right. games. I think. No, it does. It does. I mean, also it's Rockstar though, so it's like you know. Uh, how much did that play into it? But Nintendo Switch was the best-selling video game console in both units and dollars for 2018. It was also the best-selling system of December. It sold 1.77 million units in December, which was like the highest December f- of yeah. this entire gen. Uh, supposedly, judging by these leaked numbers, the Xbox One actually outsold the PS4 uh, for December. Xbox One... Sold like nine hundred and thirty thousand, and the PS4 sold seven hundred ninety thousand. Now the Xbox was also heavily discounted uh, during the month of December, and PlayStation really wasn't. So they both saw kind of steep. They both saw like steep year year over year declines for December. I think both PlayStation and Xbox are in for a rough twenty nineteen hardware sales wise. I think the Fortnite lunch eaten by um, Nintendo Switch. Yeah. I think the Fortnite effect is largely over for hardware, uh, which was driving a lot of it in the early year, you know, the early months. Um, so, like, I expect, like, I, I think this is the beginning of the end. Like, we know next gen systems are coming, but some were like, oh, you know, the PlayStation is still selling great, which it is, but like that, you know, the the drop that it just saw for December, same with Xbox, is like, yeah, this gen is is over. Like, 2019 is going to be rough like- for both of them. That's that's normal though, isn't it? It's like yeah. I mean, we is, are. This is, what, this is what happens. We are going into the what the sixth year, right? Right. So it'll be r- roughly sixth or fifth year. So yeah, I mean, it's it's getting it's getting there. Um. So uh, what else? Uh, I want to like just briefly go over the top twenty selling games of the year. Let me find this information. Um. Let's see here. Top twenty games. Uh, got so much. By the way, if you're here. if you're interested in the sales stuff and you know the the business aspects of it, you should follow Matt Piscatella on Twitter. Pronounce yeah. his name right. You should follow him on Twitter because yeah. he really does provide an insane amount of high quality breakdowns on all of this stuff in easy to 
digest form. Yeah. You're like me and you hate reading articles, which is weird because I, I write articles. You write articles all the time. Yeah, I, I hate reading. Um, and I never read them, but I, I read tweets and Matt's tweets are great. Yeah. So make sure you follow. And I normally, the only reason we're talking about on the podcast is because normally I just do a video about this, but I was playing Resident Evil 2. So I didn't have, I didn't want to make a video because I was playing greatness. So top 20 selling games for 20, uh, 2018 Red, Red Dead Redemption 2, Black Ops 4, NBA 2K19, Madden NFL 19, Smash Brothers Ultimate. One month on sale, the fifth best selling game of 2018. That's Incredible. Crazy. Marvel Spider Man, number sixth. Like another exclusive that high up, number sixth. Far Cry 5. Spider Man on one console outsold Far Cry 5, which came out in March on multiple consoles and PC, outsold Far Cry 5. God of War 2018 for eight. Like that's like the performance of. Smash Bros. Ultimate, Spider-Man, and God of War is in- extremely impressive to me. Did Forza make the chart? No, they did. Forza did not make the top 20. Uh, Monster Hunter World, number 9. I think that's really impressive. But we should, it's worth, it is worth noting that they don't include digital, right? Yes, they do. 100%. They don't include they digital do. for Nintendo games, but digital is included for uh, Sony and Microsoft games and everybody else, except for Bethesda. So... Yes. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was 10. Grand Theft Auto 5 was 11. Grand Theft Auto 5, number 11. Game's been out since 2014. Still doesn't stop selling. Mario Kart 8, 12. FIFA 19. Battlefield 5 at 14. Wow. Battlefield 5, number 14. What a drop that saw, like considering how successful Battlefield 1 was. Super Mario Odyssey at 15. World War 2, Call of Duty at 16. Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at 18, Super Mario Party, and then Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu uh, at top 20. Now, uh, at the Xbox, he did give us the top 10 for Xbox for 2018. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Red Dead 2, Madden, NBA 2K19, Far Cry 5, PUBG, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Monster Hunter World, Forza Horizon 4, and Battlefield 5. Uh, but on PlayStation, it was Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Spider-Man, God of War, NBA, Madden, Far Cry, Monster Hunter, Assassin's Creed, and FIFA. What? The price of Forza was that low. I mean, Forza was in the same position in 2016 for Forza Horizon 3. It was number 9. Forza Horizon 4 comes in at number 9. Yeah, I mean, we don't know the sales. They did just announce 7 million players for Forza Horizon 4. So... Uh, that is, it, go, it goes back to our conversation. We had a conversation about it's just a racing game on the last podcast, right? It is just a racing game, yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, it is just a racing game. So it's like one of those things where it's like, if you're not really into racing games, do you want to play it? It's also on Game Pass. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows how much is sold? I mean, do you think Game Pass could be skewing some of these figures against Microsoft? Well, no. So Matt Piscatella says, like, from the stuff he's seen, that Game Pass doesn't affect sales uh, at all. It actually helps sales. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, as the phone continues to ring, uh, as it always does, one of my uh, one of my family members is in the hospital, or at least got admitted to the hospital. So no wonder a lot of people are calling the 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 house. So sorry to hear, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about it. It happened during the podcast, so um, 
I'll have to find out more information later. So um, talk about Crackdown 3 real fast, and then we'll uh, take some questions. Um, Jez, we got Crackdown 3 coming out in a couple weeks, right? Coming out February 15th. Releasing against Far Cry 5, or Far Cry New Dawn, Metro Exodus, Jump Force. Um, I think those are the games coming out that week. And then, of course, Anthem, the big game, uh, coming out the week after that. Are you surprised by the utter lack of marketing that the game has shown so far? Are are you surprised by how little we've seen of Crackdown so far? Or are they waiting for Inside Xbox to start the marketing campaign? Are they hoping positive previews from the press, which I saw Joseph Staten says he was, uh, you know, getting ready to show the game off? Um, and what are your thoughts on that, man? Because I, I I do have some thoughts of my own, but well, I will say that there there are previews coming up, and I think. I think we're slated to do another preview of the game soon. Um, so there is going to be crackdown footage coming shortly. But even with that preview wave, it does feel like it doesn't feel like the kind of pre-launch marketing that a big AAA exclusive would have. I think that's fair. Hey, what did you say? I said it does. It does feel like it doesn't feel like the big AAA marketing that you'd expect it to have. Like it feels muted. It does feel really muted, right? But does that coincide with how Microsoft uh, views the game itself? Like they're not giving it a good, you know, Halo or Gears of War marketing approach because they don't expect much out of Crackdown. You know what I mean? Or are they expecting people to just like it's Game Pass? What does it matter? Is like Game Pass is like part of the marketing of the game, so it's like we don't really need to do heavy marketing on TV and YouTube ads and stuff because Game Pass will do all the marketing for us. Like, well, we can examine like what was the marketing like for Forza Horizon Four? That was like a lot stronger, right? That was a game they were confident in. True. Only after they completely uh, blew the uh, screwed the pooch on Forza Horizon Three, though. Remember? Yep, that's true. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I <sighs> Crackdown Three is weird for me, right? Because at one point you talk about Phil saying that he wants it to be a pillar of like Xbox, but then I don't see the marketing and the messaging and the coverage of a game to befit a title that is a pillar of Xbox. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's, hey, that's it's like, it's like I said, it doesn't feel like mark the marketing cycle for a triple a game. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. And I don't know. Maybe it's because we haven't really seen a big triple a game from Microsoft in a long time that actually had, marketing up the wazoo like halo normally gets or gears of war it's been like years like since gears of war 4 in 2016 so it's been over two years so i 
I don't know how like is this this Microsoft's new marketing thing? Are they trying to save money on the fact like maybe because they gave more money to Sumo and whoever else to finish the game that ate into their marketing budget, so they don't have enough or as much money to market the game? Is it not worth marketing the game because there's so many other games coming out the same day? So it's just kind of like we'll just cut our losses and just hope Game Pass does enough for us. I don't really know. Are are they waiting for to give out review codes to influencers and have them talk about the game and, and, and hope that they say great things about it and how it's fun to play, you know? Well, you know, maybe there's, if they feel like they're going to make a loss on this game, which given the, the lengthy development, they probably are. Um, maybe they're thinking like, we can use this as a way to experiment with the way we market it, you know? And it does feel like they've done it in a different sort of way. Like market it as a flagship Game Pass game or something. I don't know. There's still there's still time. There is still time. There is still time. Um, I don't know. I still I I still want to hope that Crackdown's going to be good. I'm still looking forward to it. I'm just I don't know. Some of the decisions with the game and the marketing have kind of scratched my head a little bit. But um, yeah. one last thing before we uh, take it over for questions. Uh, Halo. So they're teasing some sort of news in like March, Jez, right, or something? Yeah, it's, about uh, Master Chief Collection. Yeah, some esports event for Halo in March, and they also teased big news for the Master Chief Collection in March, which, in my mind, pretty much can only mean one thing. What do you think it means? Is Master Chief Collection coming to PC finally, Windows Ten? Yes. I mean, it's That's not a surprise. Why? I thoroughly expect that that is what's the big news is that it's coming to PC. Um, yeah, I, I would expect Master Chief Collection is coming to PC. Now, the big question, I know a lot of people will be like, yeah, it's coming to PC, but hell no, I don't want to use the Windows 10 store. Do you think Master Chief Collection will come to Steam? It's tough to say. I uh, I want to say probably not because, well, I don't want to say that. I would prefer that it did come to Steam, but I don't think it will because they're trying to, they do want the store to be good and for the store to be good, it needs good content and it's not going to have good content if they keep putting it on steam. And, uh, and also there's also this whole thing where there's also this whole thing where, um, Master Chief collection is a complicated game with overlapping server infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. Maybe it's just better suited for the Windows Store because they won't have to like screw around with all the APIs and all that sort of stuff. I don't know, but I would I wouldn't expect it to be hitting Steam, which is a shame. I know. But. Yeah, I. If you want to sell the most copies of the game and get it the most reach as possible and make Halo as big as it possibly could be, you put it on Steam. Oh, you put it on the Epic Store. You put it on Windows Ten. But as we've discussed before. It's more about getting people used to the ecosystem and Halo Master Chief Collection, but more likelihood Halo Infinite is Microsoft's last best chance to really make a dent in Windows 10's gaming, right? So it's like if you think it's that last chance. I mean, you have to. There is there is another reason why I'm pretty sure this Halo Master Chief thing's coming to the Windows 10 store. Literally last week, Microsoft Insider Program started taking feedback specifically 
on how they can improve the gaming experience on Windows 10. Like, they, um, so they have to, they're, they're doing that because they probably expect that there's going to be an influx of people jumping on the Windows 10 store soon. And everyone, you know, the Windows 10 store is such a point of hatred <laughs> for that platform. That's the number one thing. If they want, if Hello Mass Cheap Collection isn't coming to Steam, and I don't think it is, um, they need to fix that damn store and make it less bloody horrible for core PC gamers who have certain expectations. Oh. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's what I agree. I feel like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying like Halo Infinite's the next, like the last great hope. I mean, there's always like the initiatives games and whatever they're doing for next gen, but like, Clearly, Microsoft was using Xbox games to try to get people to play it on Windows 10, right? That was the incentive. Like, we need to use this to get people to try it out here. But, like, I'm sorry, none of those games are as big as Halo. Gears isn't as big as Halo. Uh, Sea of Thieves is, I mean, they're not even in the same, like, room. Like, Halo is massive. Sure, it's not as massive as it once was. But, I mean, it's been on PC before, and people have been clamoring for it on PC. So, like, you release Halo Infinite, which more than likely is going to be your biggest game, like, for the next, I don't know, what, four years? Like, I can't see I can't see another game from Microsoft. Potential, like, that is the biggest game, right? Like, if you look at Sony, Last of Us, is there Halo or Halo is, you know what I'm saying? Like there's Halo for Microsoft and then there's literally everything else underneath it. Halo is Xbox. Xbox is Halo, you know? So to me, it's like, that is the, the, their biggest chance of getting people to try out the windows 10 store to get, actually enjoy it and then stay for, you know, if they got game pass on windows 10 by then, which, Probably they will be because that's two years from now or whatever. Well, this is what I'd do if I was Microsoft. I would announce Master Chief Collection, but then don't release it until the store's been refreshed or upgraded or or you've made a separate store or something because what's there right now does not leave a good impression. And if Halo comes to the Windows 10 store and that's the state the store is in when people get there for the first time, they ain't going to have a good impression. So no, that, that's true. If I was them... I wouldn't release it until the store's been at least upgraded to some degree. Right. Yeah. I mean, they need to fix that store. It's every, every, all my PC friends who play it, so that's horrible. You know, like, uh, the thing is fun- functionally, functionally it works like at a purely basic functional level. It downloads the games and that's it, but it's just not a pleasant experience. Like it's not as good as steam. It doesn't have the same, curation of steam the same content of steam the same sort of search functionality of steam like find finding things on the windows store is a pain I, like today i was trying to find i was trying to find a pdf reader because by default pdfs open in microsoft edge and it's terrible you know the pdf reader in edge is terrible so i was trying to find a pdf reader and i just couldn't find one that wasn't blatant crapware and the only one that i could find was adobe reader for windows 8 so it was like it was just an awful experience and i was looking for a pdf reader something so basic um so when it comes to games it's just even worse you know 
Yeah. Like, um, oh, what? There, there's a game that released on the Windows Store recently that I was surprised about. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. So, for, <laughs> if you go on, like, new PC games, yeah? There's a, there's a there's a link. If you go on the Microsoft Store and you go to games, the second thing you see is Gummy Drop, which is Match Three Candy Crush ripoff, and beneath that is Forza Horizon Four and Guacamelee Two, which are legitimate games. Like, can't they can't they somehow detect from what I've purchased that I ain't interested in goddamn Candy Crush? And then just not show it to me? Like, can't they do that? Aren't they like the biggest software company in the world? It's that it's that kind of basic stuff that they can't do, which is why PC gamers hate the Windows Store. And it's that kind of basic stuff that they need to fix if they don't want to be seen as a total joke. Yeah, that's um, true. But yeah, um here's my rant for the day. Jez's rant. Uh hit us up with some questions, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll answer a few before we uh, get on out of there, out of here. So hopefully everybody enjoyed the podcast. Uh, before you guys all leave, would appreciate you hitting the like button if you enjoyed it. And hey, if you didn't like it, uh, hit the dislike button. Make sure you leave a comment below uh, when this video finishes processing. Really appreciate everybody taking the time out to chat with us, whether it's here live on YouTube or uh, later on in you know Google Play, iTunes, wherever you listen to it. We appreciate it. And Gunstar has a question already. He says, which big game release will be the biggest victim in the avalanche of games coming in quarter one? Now, that is a good question. There are tons of games <sighs> coming out in quarter one. So we have... I. Um, so do you have one off the top of your head already? That yeah, is gonna, I have okay. one off the top of the head for quarter one. So like January through so like January, through February, March. March, yeah. Uh, I think Far Cry New Dawn, actually. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Far Cry New Dawn. Okay. And as I said, you, you might have been thinking I was going to say Crackdown, but I think like Game Pass is going to buoy Crackdown. I wasn't going to say Crackdown either. Um, okay. This one might surprise you. I'm going to say Metro Exodus. No. No. I, no. I, and that's the one I'm most looking forward to after Resident Evil. But I also look at it as like Resident Evil is a surefire hit. Kingdom Hearts is probably a surefire hit too, right? Big franchises. Crackdown has Game Pass to save it. Uh, Far Cry is also a huge franchise. It's bigger than Metro, right? I think people, I don't think a lot of people have played Metro 2033 or Last Light. So it's easier to skip on Metro. I think Anthem's going to do gangbusters. Um, I think Devil May Cry will do well. Division 2 is going to do fantastic. And Sekiro, I honestly do think it's Metro. And I think it was smart for Sony for moving Days Gone to April. Uh, they should have moved Metro out of there as well. Right? Metro actually moved its launch up forward. I know. They should have moved to February 8th. I'm just... I love Metro. I love the Metro series. I'm playing that day one. But I just have the sinking feeling that is the one game out of all those quarter one games that's just... People are going to, it's single player. People are going to be like, eh, I can play these other games. I'll come back to it when it's on sale. Or, eh, I haven't played the other two. And this is a continuation. So I'm not going to play this one. You know? Mm. 
So face 23 BKNY says with the latest PS five rumor with the SOC CPU leak, don't it feel like we're closer to PS five release than the next Xbox? I mean, unless you're saying that the PS five is coming March of 2020 and the next Xbox is coming uh, holiday 2020. I don't think the next PlayStation is coming this year. Do you, I mean, jazz, do you, if, if PlayStation five was 2019, they wouldn't have skipped E3. They'd be yeah, no way. So it's it's 2020 now. The question is like, is it March? I don't know. Is it the end of the year? We don't know yet. I guess we'll see how they, you know, how this year pans out for them. But I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me either way with PlayStation. I wouldn't shock me if they launched in March, or if they launched in the holidays. I would be shocked, however, if Xbox launched in March. I think that's a sure bet for holiday, right? I think Xbox is definitely on the day. Yeah. So DI Almighty Spartan God says he wants to know when he will be respected by viewers as a mod or not one. Um, I don't know. I mean, some people like who they like. I don't know. Um, people always fight and stuff. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I mean, there are people that don't respect me either, bro. It's like I used to see some of the comments I get in my videos. Not everybody's always going to respect you, no matter how respectful you are towards them. I mean, if you're talking stuff, you know, talking shit, you know, you're going to get shit talked back to you. People aren't going to like you. This is kind of how it is. But not everybody respects everybody else. I try to respect everybody, but, you know, it's hard for for people to respect everybody. But uh, the monkey wants to know, Question, Xbox Inside on February 5th, what do you expect? I expect Sea of Thieves info about the arena and what they're coming after the arena. I expect a rundown of Crackdown 3, a single player, and a hefty showing of multiplayer. Probably Game Pass news, right? Because that's the beginning of February. I would imagine they talk about Game Pass a little bit. Anything else, Jazz? I can't imagine like Ori is going to get a release date during Inside Xbox, right? I mean, what do you, what do you expect from an Inside Xbox in February? I don't have huge expectations. I do expect um, I do expect Maverick. If Maverick still exists and it's a thing that's going to happen, they might announce it at uh, Inside Xbox because I had originally heard that in um, Maverick was planned for a January announcement, which to me said CES, but CES is gone now. Um, but maybe that got pushed back, or maybe they cancelled it altogether, which is something Microsoft does sometimes. So who knows? Um, I could see Maverick being shown off there with the discless drive if yeah, they I mean, do push ahead with it. Mike Major Nelson busting out the white gloves once more, you know, yeah. touching that uh, discless Xbox. But yeah, I could totally see that happening. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Mighty Ryan wants to know, do you have any more gamer score goals? Or are you content with 1 million? Um, I'm content with 1 million. Like, I don't like gamer score has changed. Okay. Like War has it's, changed. <laughs> the gamer score has completely changed from when I first started doing it. It is so ridiculously easing. Now it's not even funny. And I know, and I agree. Gamer score is essentially meaningless. All it shows is, you know, you play a lot of games, right? Now it's even more meaningless than it was before because all the Lottie at Xbox program is absolutely great, but they allow some content in there. 
that can be awful. And a lot of that content is also really short. So you can get a thousand gamer score in 10 minutes. So I'm happy with the 1.2 million I got. I doubt I'll get to 1.3 million. Um, could I get to 2 million? If I really wanted to, of course. It's, it's ridiculously easy. It's just, I don't really care anymore. I cared for a long time. I just don't care anymore. Uh, Jazz, do you have any gamer score goals? Or, or <laughs> nope. I don't even have a single game of the thousand. I think. Okay. I, I, I like I like when achievements pop and it's fun and stuff, but I don't seek them out. I just like I just think, oh, that's nice, and then forget forget it happened. Like there's some there's some cool achievements in Resident Evil Two. Actually, you get an achievement for shooting off Torrance hat. Um, you get an achievement for shoving a grenade in a zombie's mouth and then shooting it. Hmm. So, give that a try. There's a few cool achievements like that. Yeah. Be lenient. And speedrunning achievements, obviously. The game's pretty much set up for speedrunning. You can see your playtime right from the pause menu. That is that is definitely... Well, because there's also, I think, an achievement for beating that in a certain amount of time. Uh, Eternal Shaddai, shout out to you for the super chat. He says, if Resident Evil 2 becomes successful on sales as a remake, do you see Dino Crisis having the same treatment as Resident Evil 2 remake? Maybe, but I, if Resident Evil Two is super successful, I think they, re, I think they remake Resident Evil Three. I, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you guys something now. I pretty much saw a Resident Evil Three Easter egg tease in Resident Evil Two when I was playing. So, um, when you, if you play the game, when you go to the gun shop, have a look around. If you're, if you're a Resident Evil veteran, have a look around at the other shops that are there. There is a pretty blatant Resident Evil 3 tease if you look for it. But I think the next game they do is Resident Evil 3. Like the, the AI for the tyrant that follows you around, that is perfect for Nemesis, man. They will definitely remake Resident Evil 3, I would say. Um, and hopefully they'll do Veronica as well. And 4. Yeah. And 0. Uh, I would like them to rem- remake <laughs> Dino Crisis. Uh, yeah, Smurl- me too. Searle Snatch says, do you think the rumor the next Xbox will feature ray tracing? Will the spec be powerful enough to run at a 4K60? I think the next Xbox will have ray tracing. I, I don't know if a game was going to be able to run 4K60 with it. I do expect a lot of games to be 4K60 next gen, but I don't expect it to really be the standard. I think devs will still shoot for 4K30 with all the bells and whistles, but I do expect a lot of games to be more 60 frames, or at least the option to have 60 frames next gen, maybe like 1440p 60 or 1080p 60 or something. Jez, any thoughts on that? Pretty hard to say, you know, like I'm sure Microsoft have, they have data on what's the most popular sort of what people go for, what people want. Do people want frames over resolution? Like what do devs want to, do they want their games to look as good as they can? Or do they want the frame rates? Like for example, res, Resident Evil 2 has 60 frames per second, but you can te- you can just see that it sacrificed some stuff to get there. And I will say that, like, I, I have seen frame rate issues in Resident Evil 2. Like, um, if you run through, if you if you if you're speed running, and uh, it's loading up new areas quickly, it can make the frame rate tank. Actually, mm. I was playing. I was playing when I was um I was playing as Claire. And uh, I was running from the tyrant. And I was like, really, really running from the tyrant. <laughs> like across the whole police station. And uh, when I got to from one side to the other, it did start skipping frames a bit here and there. But, you know, it's 
Ray, I thought you'd panic as hard as I panicked when I was playing that game. Because he was running he was running faster, man. I was like in scenario two and he like runs faster in that scenario for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But, so um Dealer Gaming has a question. He says, Rand, what about the dev that has those X2 dev kits already? I already spoke about that. Uh, I already said anybody that says that and says there's an interview uh, about a, a developer who has Xbox dev kits, I, I said that that person's lying to you. And always to make sure to check the description of the video to see if there's a source. Usually, if there's no source, it means it's bullshit. So we already covered that, dealer. And I, I yeah, I talked about people lying. And I talked about how here on my channel, I don't lie. I always have sources for whatever I'm talking about. Now, the source may be a leak from Reddit where this person's saying something and I'm giving my opinion on whether it's fake or not. But I'm not the type of person to make up bullshit so I can make videos. So uh, we already addressed that. Um, let's see. Gunstar wants to know my current gamer score. I think it's like 1.21 million or something. I don't know. Like I could be at 1.3 million so fast. It's just not really, I don't know. It's just, eh. um, it, okay, if I could get like my world of Warcraft achievements for, um, Xbox, I'd have like a bajillion. bajillion you have a bajillion. Score. Yeah. Bajillion games score. Um, let's see. Uh, Eric Rays wants to know, is Microsoft scared of PlayStation for the next generation console? Is Microsoft ready to make, to take massive risk with their console and game exclusives. Um, are they scared of PlayStation? No. Microsoft I mean, is the, the currently the richest company in the world. They ain't scared of PlayStation. Microsoft is currently the richest. Are you saying team... Uh, maybe the better question is team Xbox scared of PlayStation? Because Xbox isn't the richest. Microsoft. Well, they don't seem the kind of people to be scared. I mean, are they, you know concerned that they could get it all wrong probably they can't like they've they've rested on their laurels before and that's yeah. what that's what happened with the xbox one you can guarantee they're not going to do that again right? i think they're watching them seeing what they're doing because you always got to see what your competition is up to but i think microsoft with an xbox since we know xcloud and streaming is a big thing i think they're worried about google uh, and the potential impact it might have on their business and Amazon, if they choose to get an intense cent, I think Xbox is more scared about them than they are about PlayStation. They're, they're worried about the, the cloud angle because that, that is their core business. Cloud is their core business, right? And mm -hmm. if, um, if you get like, if you get a company like Tencent pulling an exclusive deal with Google or something, that would that would scare them ten times more than anything PlayStation could ever do, unless unless like you had PlayStation doing an exclusive deal with Amazon for streaming. I think PlayStation now actually does run on Amazon servers right now. But like imagine if imagine if Amazon said we were gonna they were gonna put like their streaming tech into their data centers or whatever, and all PlayStation games would be available on it as an exclusive. And Xbox games wouldn't be available on it. Blah blah blah. Maybe that. Maybe that's the kind of thing that would scare them. But I don't think they they the console industries they kind of see it as peaked, right? And yeah, we we get like the MPD stuff as said that it's growing, but it's not growing anywhere near as fast as mobile. It's not growing anywhere near as fast as like 
service type games and and that's ultimately where they want to be is selling you the service they don't want to be selling you the console necessarily sounds like it sounds like a contradiction right uh, if they can if they can sell you the service without selling you the console that's actually better margins in a crazy way uh, yeah anyways uh, i think that is all of the questions we have for now um obj says google and amazon ain't gonna make a dent in the console gaming business shout out to you brother Uh, you never know you never know what the future holds uh google does have a ton of money uh console console business no probably not the console business no streaming yeah like i said like microsoft i don't know microsoft and playstation might desert or xbox and playstation might diverge more uh, later on like i think microsoft is really counting on pc and when and, and streaming to really grow whereas playstation still might stay more rooted in the console but uh you know I mean, playstation's exploring like vr and ex- enhancing the experience you've got now which is great you know but microsoft's looking at like they're just looking at playing to their strengths right they're thinking we've got all these data centers what could what could we put in them that complements Xbox, and obviously for them, it's it's cloud servers. You know, they've got the technology, they've got the know-how, they've got the developer relationships, and they've, you know, got the will to do it. So it's it's just a case of why not, really, at this point. Yeah. But anyways, guys, uh, thank you very much for watching the show. I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, make sure you hit the like button. Uh, make sure you uh, follow Jez on Twitter. All the links are in the description, the link to his Twitter, my Twitter, Xbox Live, uh, the links to the SoundCloud and the iTunes if you want to listen to this later instead of live. We just appreciate everybody uh, watching when they can. So, Jez, uh, what do you got going on for the rest of the week? Is any Should we be looking forward to any uh, articles from you? Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> not really. Jez is taking the week off. Uh, no articles from Jez. I am actually I'm working on a really big um Xbox adaptive controller but um feature at the minute but that's probably not going to be ready in the near term. Right. And for all of you all of the all of you who DM me about uh that game on Steam, I'm going to give you guys your codes the first 5 that message me. So if you don't hear I'm going to respond to everybody, but it's just the first 5 and I looked and I think I had 20. So uh yeah. Thanks guys for watching. And uh, we'll see you next week for another show. Later.